You're listening to the Fanfic Maverick Podcast, the show where I talk to fanfiction writers about their work and the marvelous world of fanfiction. This show may contain adult themes and language. Listener discretion is advised. The following paragraphs are from Chapter 1 of a fanfiction story titled Perseverance, written by today's guest fanfiction author, Winter's End. In the height of his delusion, Cassian's mind invents new images, Bayes and Sherrod looking at him, eyes full of disappointment. Should have known what to expect from you, Captain. Bodhi and that little twitch of his mouth as his face falls. Did you even try? Jin, sad and confused when he doesn't come back. Abandoned by yet another person she trusted. I thought you were my home. Did you not promise? I cannot fail them, he thinks, delirious with the thought. I cannot let them down. The man in white points his blaster at him. Cassian blinks, and it's his captor again. You will break, the voice sneers. Maybe it's real. You've gotten what was coming to you. I will ask again, someone speaks, and it sparks a shiver in response. Did you or did you not impersonate Imperial military officers to gather information for the Rebel Alliance? Cassian doesn't reply. The voice isn't any more real or false than the rest. You will break. A new figure appears standing in the corner. Cassian instantly knows that she's different from the rest. There's no hatred, no disgust, no disappointment in her eyes. She looks at him, gentle but wistful. It almost takes him a moment to recognize her. Mama, he thinks, so hopelessly defeated. Mama, I'm tired. You must have strength, Cassian, she says, and it's a hallucination and a memory all at once. He remembers how she kissed his hand and smoothed his hair. Perseverance, she whispered, even as the sound of blaster shots echoed around them. That was the last thing she said to him. Perseverance, Cassian. He swallows, forces down the demons, clawing at his conscience. This is not me, he tells himself, and tries to believe it. Really tries. These are not my thoughts. I am not weak. I am not weak. I'm alive, and I will not break. I will not die. The ghost in the corner smiles proudly. Thank you, Mama. I'm alive. I'm alive. I'm alive. I'm alive. I'm alive. And I will go home. To the north, south, east, and west four corners of the world, greetings from the wild and arid desert of the American Southwest. I'm your host, Chaos Blue, and this is the Fanfic Maverick Podcast. Our special guest author for today is Winter's End. She has been a member of AO3 since 2012 and has posted a total of 63 fanfiction stories for the following fandoms. The Raven Cycle, The Grishook Trilogy, She-Ra and the Princess of Power, and Rogue One. Winter's End is 25, from Hungary, and she is currently in university pursuing a master's degree in translation and interpretation. Her biggest dream is to become a published author one day. Winter's End says she doesn't get attached to a specific fandom easily, but when she does, the fixation tends to stick. 
She has been active in the Rogue One fandom for three years now and doesn't see that ending anytime soon. Her master's degree studies do keep her from writing as much as she'd like to, but when time permits, she is currently working on a multi-chapter historical vampire AU. When she isn't writing, Winter's End loves playing video games, and her current favorite is The Witcher 3. Winter's End, thank you so much for joining me today. Welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm fine, thank you. Thank you for having me. How are you? Oh, I'm great. Thank you so much for joining us. This is going to be a lot of fun. Was there anything that you wanted to correct or add to your bio before we get started here? No, that was all correct. Oh, perfect. All right. As you know, we start at the beginning here on the Fanfic Maverick with everybody's fanfiction journey. Why don't you go ahead and tell us about the time that you first discovered fanfiction? What was that like and how did it feel? Well, I think this is a very typical story for many people in my generation because I was introduced to fanfiction because of Harry Potter. I was quite young, I don't know, like 10 or 11. So I've been basically in the fanfiction world for most of my life. My very first fanfiction, it was in my native language because um, I barely spoke English at the time. And there were these fan sites for Harry Potter which I think at the time were very popular because I remember there was a lot of them back then. And and this was obviously well before Tumblr. So they were kind of like our blogs back then. I remember I just finished maybe the first four books. I was very obsessed with Hermione. (laughs) Uh, I think a lot of us saw uh, ourselves in her and I I definitely did. So I, I remember just hitting up Google and typing in her name. And then I found all these websites ran by fans and they also had fan fiction. And I was curious. I didn't really understand what it was at first, but I did figure out that it was written by a fan and I started to read it and I really liked it. So so I kept reading and there was a lot of uh, exciting stories to read. And eventually I even found my way to fanfiction.net and the stories there were, well, mostly in English. So I remember opening Google Translate. And <laughs> it's still not perfect, but back then it was terrible. So even when I copy-pasted the whole thing and so I could read it in my native language, it, it was totally incomprehensible. So what I did was I started to read in English and then just looked up the specific words and it did basically teach me how to speak English. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, that was my start. That's amazing. That's so funny because, you know, my fan fiction journey, it started with Space Cases um, sci-fi show on Nickelodeon. But after I discovered what fan fiction was based off of that, I did read a lot of Harry Potter fan fiction. And you're right, like before these major archives got started, there were a lot of like Harry Potter centric archives that were fan run, right? And they actually had really good, I thought they had really good search functions. Because you could search by like the character, what type of story, the rating, you know, people put a lot of time into these Harry Potter fan fiction archives. That's how I remember it too. (laughs) So it was not just me good. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I did. And then from there, I think I did make the jump to fanfiction.net just like you did. And that's where I actually read the majority of the Harry Potter fan fiction. Oh, me too. Yeah. Right? (laughs) For years until AO3 appeared. It it was like, I don't know. When did AO3 start? I don't even remember, but... You know, I looked that up the other day, and I think that it... uh, I want to say that the beta version of it came out in 2009, I think, which 
you know, to me, it feels like, oh, AO3 has been around forever, blah, 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 blah. But uh, yeah, 2009, apparently. <laughs> That's earlier than I would have thought, actually. But uh, yeah, yeah. But yeah, before that, we were all on fanfiction.net and we were all on the fan run archives, which I don't even know if those archives even exist anymore. I hope Oh, they that's do. a good question. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know. But yeah, I was the same way. I was like, you know, on all these different archives for all these different fandoms. And it was a blast. I loved it. Now, when did you first write your first piece of fan fiction? Well, at first, I was pretty content to just read, I don't know, for a year or so. But when I found my way to fanfiction.net, I, I started to think about the stories I wish I could read very specific stuff like scenes and dialogue and plot. And I thought to myself, well, it can't be that hard, right? <laughs> they are doing it, so I can do it too. But turns out I was very wrong. <laughs> uh, I wrote maybe one sentence and I gave up. <laughs> I decided I was just fine reading because it's too hard for me. Then my twilight phase happened uh, a few years later and I thought, okay, I'm older now. I speak English a lot better, so why not try again? And I did end up writing three chapters, I think, but I posted them and I, I got no comments, so I very quickly <laughs> <laughs> I very quickly gave up. And yeah, that was technically the first time I started writing, but it really only lasted a week, so I almost like to think that my real start happened later. Two years later, I think I was 16, I got into Supernatural. And ah. was <laughs> I was quite obsessed with that show, and I knew immediately that I had to try again. I even remember sitting in math class and I was writing my story in the back of my notebook with a pen. <laughs> 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 and I finished it, which was very exciting because I haven't finished anything until now. I mean, it was not very long, but it was still such an accomplishment that I posted right away. Yeah, it's actually still up on fanfiction.net. It's going to have its 10-year anniversary very soon. <laughs> oh, that's cool! Yeah, and the best part was that I did get comments this time, and actually one of the comments was from one of my favorite writers at the time who inspired me to write that story, which was, well, obviously a huge encouragement. It, it was like my role model noticed me or something. So I do wonder if it wasn't for the comments I did get, if I would have continued, but at the end of the day, I did get the attention I wanted at the time, so I never stopped writing since. Oh, and isn't that so cool that sometimes it's just that one interaction yeah. with that one special person that really just encourages you and makes you think, yeah, actually, I can do this. And this is really awesome. And I'm going to keep going. Yeah, definitely. It helped me so much. <laughs> Even though I know that back then, my writing really wasn't that good. But she was so nice. And, and she said she liked it. So <laughs> I was happy. I was very happy. Uh, I love that, though, about the fan fiction community, that there are so many writers who are already established and they produce great work and they take the time to encourage new writers, right? Yeah. Because we all have to start somewhere, right? And so, you know, sometimes when we're starting something new, we suck and it's bad. But, you know, when you have your heroes or the people that you look up to telling you like, no, you're doing really good for the level that you're at and just keep going. Sometimes that's just what you need. You know, it's, I think it's really cool. It really makes the difference. <laughs> Absolutely. You mentioned in your author's bio that you would like to become a published author someday. So writing is something that you've been thinking about for yourself for a really long time. What inspired you to want to become a writer in the first place? 
when it comes to fan fiction specifically, I think I really just connected it to the characters on such a deep level that I really thought about them every day. It was like they became part of my daily life. And, you know, I imagined them in different scenarios. And I thought it would be cool to see those scenarios, but no one else was writing them. And it was obviously not going to happen in canon. So sometimes you just have to say, okay, I have to do it myself. (laughs) And uh, that was my inspiration to see those ideas in my head come to life. Because even if it wasn't good and it wasn't perfect, it it was like if I wrote them, I gave them life. And it was almost like they were real. So when, you know, when Canon is uh, not giving me what I want, then I'll just make it real myself. Sometimes when you want something done, you got to do it yourself. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, that's awesome. I feel like that's what inspires a lot of writers these days is they have this desire to see something very specific, right, for their fandom, and they don't see it. So they decide to fill that gap. Yes. Which I think is really cool. (laughs) Awesome. Okay. Now, do you have any favorite fan fiction tropes? Lots of them. <laughs> oh, tell me, tell me. I think uh, it does depend on the characters and their dynamics, but most of the time, for any fandom, I love angst. <laughs> oh, me too. Me too. Extreme angst, but with a happy ending. <laughs> if there's no happy ending, then I don't want it. <laughs> <laughs> so you want to put the characters through that pain yeah, and yeah, anguish, yeah. but it has to turn out good. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> because I think... It's the, that happy ending is always so much better when the characters suffered for it first. <laughs> yes, yes. Now, okay, so why is angst your favorite? Besides the happy ending, like making the pain worth it, why would you say that the angst trope is your favorite? This is maybe going to sound a little weird, but I think it's nice to experience that pain sometimes <laughs> because it's not really your pain, it's someone else's pain and it can feel almost cathartic sometimes. And when you know there's a happy ending at the end, then there's always that knowledge in the back of your mind that it's going to be all right and it's it's going to turn out all right, which you don't always have or you don't really have in real life at all. So it's kind of reassuring to me. And also I really love when stories make me feel something because that's why I'm reading them. So I love it when they make me cry you know, or, or scream or anything like that. <laughs> So yeah, the more emotional, the better. And I think angst is a good way to bring out those emotions. I agree with that 100%. I'm like you. I really love reading stories that make me feel something because I'm not naturally one of those people that goes out into the world and just feels everything. (laughs) I'm more, you know, logical about stuff. And so sometimes I can't really get in touch with my own emotions without help. And fan fiction actually does help me do that. So when I'm reading that angst, you're right, I'm feeling stuff. And sometimes what I'm feeling is really more personal, right? Like it's getting in touch with my own feelings, but the fan fiction is helping me get there. And you're right, like when they have that hopeful, happy ending in the story, it does on some level, I think, give you some sort of hope for your own situation, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's what I love about it. I love that I have a fellow angst trope lover here on the show. That's awesome. Nothing weird about it. Don't worry about that. (laughs) Now, uh, you currently write for Rogue One. How did you first discover Rogue One? And what do you love about it? It's a funny story. I uh, watched Rogue One a year after it was released. And it was New Year's Eve. I had nothing better to do. I was spending it with my parents and my sister. 
And actually, up until then, I never even watched any Star Wars movie, like, ever. What? <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I remember every time I told someone I never watched Star Wars, they were like, are you serious? <laughs> but, like a rite of passage. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I just never thought it would be my thing, because I'm not really into space. I don't really like all that sci-fi stuff. So I, I thought, you know, this is not going to be for me. But my dad, he wanted to refresh his memory before watching the sequels. So he asked us, you know, we're doing a Star Wars marathon. Do you want to join us? And I actually almost said no, <laughs> which is funny. It's funny to think about what I would be doing right now if I said no. But I was like, you know what? Why not? I don't have anything better to do. Let's make it a family thing. So we watched it and I was surprised because I really liked it. I'm still really not into space or anything, but I thought it was entertaining and I was having fun. And then Rogue One happened <laughs> and I, I wasn't having fun anymore. Well, in the sense that it's such a heartbreaking movie and I was crying and I don't even like to cry in, other, in front of other people, but I was definitely sobbing by the end. So I think I was, I was kind of pretty supposed to like it from the start because I really love tragedies or uh, movies with tragic ending. Which is funny because I do prefer happy endings in generally, but when that tragic endings happen, it stays with me. Because I see these characters who didn't get their happy ending and who I felt that they really deserved that happy ending. And then my brain just goes, uh, this is so unacceptable. I must become obsessed with them now. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, that was definitely a part of it. But I also really love how real and raw it was. It was not really your typical Star Wars movie, and even I, who was watching it for the first time, all of the Star Wars movies that day, even I could tell that. Because it was darker and grittier and uh, much more focused on the war and the realities of war. And in that way, it felt much more grounded and down to earth. And I really loved that. I loved that the characters, it was just a group of normal people, you know, not the Jedi, not any princesses, not these grand classic heroes. I mean, when you think about it, Jin didn't even want to be a part of it at first, and Cassian was pretty dark for your average Star Wars male lead. Bodhi was originally an Imperial pilot, and Kay was an Imperial droid, so they really were not your typical Star Wars heroes, and they were just so interesting to see these ordinary people almost whose entire lives were ruined because of this war and to see how they too can become heroes and by choosing to do the right thing they can save the galaxy so for me it was really this combination of the found family trope uh, the characters themselves and and the plot too i really liked it i think it all checked out i love that answer now hold on a second what you're saying is that your dad is indirectly responsible for us sitting down today and having this conversation? Yes, basically, yes. <laughs> ah, I love it. Thanks, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> that's so cool, though. And that's really neat that you did get that chance to see the originals because that is the foundation for all yeah. Star Wars canon anyway. So to understand why the war is even happening... And, you know, the backstories of some of these even in the Rogue One universe, right? We have to have some kind of basic understanding. So that's really cool. And I love that you pointed out that Rogue One is a different movie than other Star Wars movies. It is. And I love that. I have seen all of the Star Wars movies. 
And there are some that I like more than others. I love the classic ones back, you know, from the 70s. Oh, yeah. Me too. <laughs> but Rogue One is for sure my favorite modern Star Wars movie. Definitely. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was just focused on like real people, which was really, really cool. Plus, Cassian to me is such an interesting character. <laughs> Cassie is my favorite. All day. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, we can pretty soon. All right. I don't know how soon, but. <laughs> Do we know when that's coming out yet? Because they keep I, talking about it. And... I don't think there's an official release date yet, but they started filming it. So we're getting oh, closer. <laughs> good. Good. Okay. Well, I'm like on pins and needles waiting for the Same. release date. <laughs> That'll be super cool. In Rogue One, what is your Rogue One OTP and why is that your OTP? I think anyone who follows my stories will know that it's uh, Jin and Cassian. I absolutely adore this two. I do have to mention that I really like Baze and Chirrut as well. And I think the uh, fandom collectively decided that they were married, which is funny because I almost forget most of the time that it's not canon because it feels canon. But uh, yes, Jin and Cassian are my favorite. and. I'm really amazed at how much they could affect me in just a single movie. My Discord chat and I, we joked that my short answer would be is that they are a sexy battle couple who would die for each other, so what else do I need? <laughs> I think they have so much going for them, and I think a big part of it is the chemistry between Diego Luna and Felicity Jones. They really gave it their all, and their interactions felt so real. There was always this vibe between them, this tension, and every time they looked at each other, I felt like they could see into each other's souls, and I was like, whoa, this is pretty intense for two people who haven't known each other for that long. <laughs> I have to admit, I'm not really into insta-love or anything, but I don't think this was that. However, I do think there was a connection there that they both clearly felt, and yeah, I really loved their mutual trust between them and their partnership. And how they challenged each other and pushed each other to be better people, because that's one of my favorite tropes in a ship. And I think they were both very inspired by each other. And while there was obviously uh, other factors, they did play a huge part in each other's character development. So I really love that. And I mean, they also died in each other's arms. I mean, come on. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it doesn't get more romantic. Exactly. Than that, <laughs> Yeah, I loved to watch that. You you mentioned like a almost an instant connection, like a really deep connection. And I know that in times in my life where I feel like the circumstances are extenuating, sometimes that does cause me to form deeper connections with people that I wouldn't normally otherwise be able to do. And sometimes I wonder when I'm thinking about Rogue One, you know, those were really extenuating circumstances, oh, you know, like really, right, right. And so sometimes I wonder like, man, they just found a lot of comfort with each other somehow. Yeah, yeah, and that's yeah, why yeah. it works. Right? And so it's so bittersweet because I think their biggest problem was the lack of time. So yes. know, if, if they lived, they could have had uh, something. <laughs> I don't know. It's really bittersweet, I think. Well, that's why fan fiction is awesome, right? Because they don't have to die. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> they live on. Canon who? <laughs> yes. So your story is a story like that, where they live on and have more time with each other. Your story is called Perseverance, and it's primarily written from Cassian's point of view, which I really loved. So why don't you tell us what this story is about, what made you want to tell it, 
and tell us if there are any messages in the story that you wanted to communicate. It's kind of funny because this was such an accidental story. And by that, I mean that I wrote it for the Promptathon organized by the Fulcrum Captain on Tumblr. And the prompt I used was the title, Perseverance. But I wasn't really planning on writing this. I was making gift sets for this event, but that was all I wanted to do. And I thought about this a lot, but I honestly can't remember why I changed my mind or why I started writing anyway. It was a very spontaneous idea. I did not outline anything. I did not really think anything through. I just sat down and wrote that first part, which is very rare with me because I usually outline. And it's quite a dark story. I think it's probably my darkest story. Uh, As you said, it's very Cassian-centric, and it kind of tries to dive into his thoughts uh, and his state of mind his past and his self-hatred and eventually his strength and determination that he has to find again as he's being interrogated and really being tortured. It's very light on the violence because I wasn't comfortable with that and I didn't really want to venture into torture porn territory even accidentally. But yeah, you can still tell from his mental state and his reaction that it's happening or what's happening. And I have been thinking about um, attempting a story like this for a long time because I was really curious to explore what might go through someone's head during a moment like that. And there, there's a lot of negative and depressive thoughts that are just telling him to basically give up. So he's being tortured not by just this guy, but by himself too and by his own mind. And I wouldn't say he actively wants to die, but he's kind of wanting to give up. And my point was to get him back to that place where he realizes that he doesn't want to give up after all. That was the most important part. Uh, How he overcomes his demons and how the thought of the people he loves and who love him keep him going. They keep him fighting. So he chooses to, to try and somehow make it out alive, even if it seems hopeless. And yeah, that was that was the main message, just to keep going, because there's always someone out there who loves you and needs you and would be devastated if you gave up. So, you know, keep going for them and for yourself, too. I love that. Yeah, the story really, it, it was like a, a story about his internal journey, right? Yes. Which I love because you're right, like it wasn't so much focused on the actual horrible things that are happening to him, but it's more his internal thoughts of what's going on with him. Which, you know, again, ventures into the angst territory that I love. <laughs> oh, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, this is so delicious. In a good way, of course. Oh, thank you. <laughs> now, when you write for Rogue One, do you tend to follow canon closely when you write? Or do you pick and choose? Well, I mean, I'm writing for Rogue One and they are all dead. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so. <You> know. <laughs> First of all, you just have to conveniently ignore that part. But no, I think I do tend to pick and choose because, as I said, I haven't been a Star Wars fan for very, very long. And I'm not really an expert when it comes to this universe. I mean, quite the opposite, actually. So it's easier for me to just write what I want to write and not have to worry about getting every single thing right. You know, canon is great or can be great, but it's just as much a story as my fanfiction. So... I just want to have fun with it and with the world and with the characters. And I don't want to stress over 
you know, getting everything right. But I don't change stuff willy-nilly just for the heck of it or anything. But, you know, if something doesn't work for my story or if I just don't like a particular plot point or whatever, then, yeah, I'm, you know, I can I can just change it and I don't really get hang up on that. I like that attitude. Like, personally, as a reader, I never get hung up on canon. Like, if the canon is there and the story follows the canon, that's perfectly fine. But if the writer chooses to pick and choose or not follow canon or whatever, it doesn't bother me. You know, I know there are some readers where that really bothers them. But like for me, I don't care as long as the story is good and it makes me feel something. And Absolutely. I think there's this Tumblr post that canon is more of a guideline than a hard rule or something like that. I, I don't know how. I don't really know what it says exactly, but I always think about that. It's so true. And the whole reason that we even learn the rules in the first place, right? is to know what they are so that we can break them yeah, later. Exactly. Let's just break them. <laughs> okay, now, speaking of angst, I have a favorite line from Perseverance. <laughs> it's an angsty one. It's from chapter one, and it goes like this. Something in his head scoffs. You're not worth the rescue. You're weak. But they would anyway. They would because no matter what I am, they are the opposite. They are good. Cassian trembles in his seat. It's cold in here, yet he swears the liquid running down his face is sweat, not tears. He hasn't cried in years. And I love that line because it really gives us awesome, compelling insight into Cassian's, like, his personal internal insecurities and vulnerabilities. And vulnerability angst is my favorite. That's my jam. Cassian is so human in this story, which I just thought was amazing and compelling. Because any time that a writer takes a character from canon and humanizes them for me, I instantly fall in love. That's just something that happens. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I really appreciate it that you did that for us here in this story. What was your favorite line from the story and why is it your favorite? First of all, I want to say thank you because that's so nice to hear. And I do really love to know which lines resonated with the readers. And I actually do like that one too, because, you know, it's basically saying that he doesn't think he's worth the rescue himself, but he knows his friends feel differently. Yeah, as you said, very human. But my favorite, also from chapter one, it's this one. This is not me, he tells himself and tries to believe it really tries. These are not my thoughts. I'm not weak. I'm not weak. I'm alive and I will not break. I will not die. And then a little bit later he continues, I'm alive. I'm alive. I'm alive. I'm alive. I'm alive. And I will go home. And it was such a cathartic moment for me because you see him hold on to his strength and his hope after everything. And it really is the thesis of this whole story. Like I said, the message that I talked about. It's quite a simple statement, I, I'm alive and I will go home, but it, it feels powerful and it feels strong after seeing him so broken down before. And so it's my favorite because it, it gives me hope and motivation too. That really seems like the turning point yeah. in the story for him, right? Where he's like, uh, okay, even though I feel really bad and insecure about my past and who I am as a person, I can still have hope and I can still choose to live and yeah, I can yeah, still yeah. choose to go home. And survive, yeah. right? For the people that love yeah, me. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the moment he chooses to not give up, yes. Yeah, no, that was such a powerful part of the story. I loved it. Were there any little details or scenes 
when you were writing that you'd like to share that maybe didn't make it into the final version of this particular story? You know, I wrote this story, the first two parts anyway, two years ago, and then the last part a year ago, so the details are a bit hazy, and I, I had no outlines to even check, but I think the first two chapters were basically the same that I posted. I mean, they are quite short, and they are meant to be short, so there is not a lot to leave out, but I think they're last part, I struggled with that a lot, which is why I didn't even write it until a year later. But I think I was going to make Cassian's escape a bit more detailed, you know, show how he managed to overpower his captor and how he fought him off and how Jin even managed to find him. But I ultimately decided there was too much action for me to handle, first of all. (laughs) Second of all, it just did not fit the theme of the story, I think, because all of the chapters, they were introspection. And they were the thoughts of the characters and their state of mind. So this action did not fit in and it would have just changed the tone of the story, I think. So, yeah, I think I'm pretty satisfied that I did not write that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I mean, it would have been interesting, right? Anyway, to see it. But you're right. When I was reading this story, I thought, oh, this is so introspective and so interesting because it gives us that window into the inside soul of these characters. And so, yeah, like that was definitely more in keeping with (laughs) the tone of the entire story. Now, you did give us a little bit of insight a couple minutes ago into the writing process for this particular story where you just kind of sat down and you didn't really have an outline. You just kind of did it and everything. Did you use a beta at all with these stories? No, no. I. (laughs) Funnily enough, I never had a beta. (laughs) I I don't know why, because... I think I just hate asking for help. <laughs> I've always been the yeah. I've always been the, the do everything yourself type of person. Independent. <laughs> yeah. I mean I would be open to a beta. I'm not saying it's impossible, but I just never had the opportunity and I'm you know, I'm fine checking my own work and editing it, so it was never a problem for me, I guess. Oh, that's cool. You know, it's kind of like a case by case basis, I feel like with writers, because there are some who swear by their betas and they could never do anything <laughs> yeah, yeah, without yeah. the beta. And then there are others that are like, how do I even get a beta? Like, exactly. Cool, but I don't even know how. I have no idea how. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. I, I'm not a writer myself, but if I was, I'd have no idea how to get a beta, a beta, a beta either. So yeah, like, I don't know. I don't know. But that writing process that you used with this story, is this the same writing process that you use for most of your stories? Not at all. No? <laughs> this is like the one exception, actually. Oh, so what does your writing process usually look like? I do tend to outline and it's usually not super detailed, but I have to know what happens when, what scenes I want to write and how things develop and what's the end, what's my end goal, because otherwise I just get lost. And... I can't really just sit down and write whatever comes to me. Although I did say that that's what I would, that's what I did with perseverance. But that's really, like I said, the exception. It, I never really do that, and I haven't done that since either. So yeah, most of the time, or like every time, I outline. And because I uh, only write one shots or like very short multi chapters, like two or three chapters, it's not really a long project for me to outline. But I do still need it. And when that's done, I I just start to transform the outline into their corresponding scenes. I always write in chronological order because I'm very afraid of continuity errors. (laughs) 
But oh yeah. I what I do tend to do is just write the dialogue first, and sometimes I will add in little notes like he shakes his head or he sounds angry. But at first, it's just a bare dialogue, and then I fill in the blanks with the descriptions. And I think that works for me really well because the dialogue is sort of my compass. It keeps me focused on what's happening and where is this going. So that's really my process. It's nothing special. I just try to put the scene I have in my mind into words. That's so interesting, though. I've never heard a writer say that before about the dialogue process. That's so interesting to me. Now I am curious. Do you have a hard time writing dialogue? Is that challenging for you, or do you find that fairly easy with the writing of the dialogue? I think it's one of my strongest points, if I can say that. I do really like it, and I think it, I find it very easy. Maybe that's why I do it like this because I just think in my head what they are saying, how they are responding to each other, and I don't get lost in the little details of what they are doing in the meantime. So yeah, that dialogue is my favorite part to write. Oh, that's awesome! So then, the dialogue is the best parts of the writing process for you. Which parts are the most challenging? Anything related to action. <laughs> Ah, I am terrible with action, really, and also I really suck at descriptions of people or locations too. But especially locations, I I just don't even know how to start, and usually I don't even bother because I think my fan fictions are relatively simple and everyone already knows the fandom, so it doesn't need a lot of description of people or locations or whatever. <laughs> Whenever I do have to do it, it's it's just a pain in the ass. <laughs> Oh my god! Yeah, no, that's so interesting. I love that. Do you tell people in real life that you write fan fiction? Um, not really. <laughs> my sister knows because she's into fandoms as well, and unfortunately, she's not in the Rogue One fandom. But up until now, she always read every one of my fan fictions, and she's a big supporter. But no one else. My parents know I write, but they don't know that I write fan fiction. Uh, they think I'm writing my original stories, which, yeah, I do tend to do that too. But, you know, a lot of the times when they come in and they ask me, what are you writing? The real answer is fun fiction. <laughs> but I, I just tell them I'm working on my novel. <laughs> and so now, now they think that I've been stuck on the same story for like 10 years. <laughs> oh, do you think that they would even know what that is if you were to tell them that you were writing fan fiction? Uh, I, I don't think so, not really. I would have to explain, and that's such a terrifying thought. You just have to explain to them what it is that I just, you know, I don't think they would judge me for it and everything, but it's just kind of awkward. I don't know. <laughs> no, and you know what? There's a lot of people that feel that way. You know, when I was growing up and reading fan fiction as a teenager, I sure as hell didn't tell my parents <laughs> yeah. what I was doing. You know, and I never told anybody until I got a lot older. It's only been in the last, I don't know, five years that I started telling people in real life. And then only like my family members, you know, like the people I actually live with. And it's been kind of cool because their reaction has been much chiller than I <laughs> thought it was going to be. They don't want me reading it out loud or really like telling them about like the latest chapter I just read or something. But they know that I do it, and they're like supportive of oh, it. They think great, it's cool. But yeah, I remember, man. Like for a long time, it was one of those things I did not talk about. I did not tell people. <laughs> so, now, part of the reason I think that sometimes we don't like talking about fan fiction with people in real life 
is because fan fiction does have stigmas and stereotypes surrounding the whole concept. How do you feel that you defy those stereotypes or reflect them? A very interesting question. You're definitely right that there's so many of these stigmas and stereotypes. I mean, first of all, there's that old stigma that fanfiction writers are all women and probably teenage girls, which is not at all true. I did start as a teenage girl myself, but, you know, I'm still here and I never grew out of it. And I know so many other adults who are the same way. And I'm not sure about other fandoms at the moment, but Rogue One is definitely very dominated by adult writers. And I think that as my generation grew up and the younger generations are growing up, a lot of them don't leave fandom just because, you know, they're adults now. So there's going to be more and more older people or adults in fandom spaces and writing from fiction, which means that this whole thing about fan fiction, you know, being reserved for teenage girls, it's just not true at all. And I think, however, it's at least partly why people judge it so much, because it's it's considered to be a very feminine thing, I guess, and very closely associated with fangirls. And I feel like the word fangirl is, it just has a very negative connotation, especially outside of fandom spaces. Because when you say fangirl, so many people, I think, will think of, you know, these rabid, obsessed teenage girls. And they really look down on fanfiction because of that. And, you know, they say that it's low-quality, wish-fulfillment trash. And that you're not a real writer if you're writing fanfiction. Which is very discouraging. I really thought of that way, too, for a long time. Not that it's bad or anything, but that I wasn't a real writer. Because I was writing only fanfiction. For a very, very long time, I think it wasn't until I joined the Rogue One fandom, which was only three years ago, that I started to think to myself, okay, I am a real writer, and screw what anyone else says. <laughs> so that's that was definitely a thing back then, and it's so sad how it's still a thing. Even just a few weeks ago, I remember this author on Twitter made this thread about how fanfiction is uh, its not a real form of writing. And that it's all of it, it's always bad and we're just copying other people's work. And it's so painfully clear to me that these people, they never really tried to even give fanfiction a chance to look, sit down and see what it's really about. Because, you know, I can understand that it's not for everyone, that's fine. But there's a difference between saying that this thing just isn't for me personally, or just blatantly stating that it's wrong and bad and stupid because I don't like it personally. It's it's a very narrow-minded idea, I think. And yeah, the fanfiction writing does count, so I don't know who needs to hear this, but if you're writing fanfiction, then congratulations, you are a real writer, and don't let anybody else tell you otherwise. Because... There are so many good ones out there, so many really polished works, and you can tell that these writers put so much thought and so much work and energy and their heart and soul into their stories. And even if you don't, even if it's just you know a fun little thing to amuse yourself with, it still matters. It can still be just as good. So I think it's very unfair to say that what you're writing, what fun fiction writing is less just because you didn't come up with the basic characters and the basic word. Because you still came up with a plot, you still came up with scenes and the dialogue, you put it all into words, you worked to keep the characters true to themselves, which can be really challenging too. So it can be a lot of work, and 
I think some non-writers have this idea in their head that, you know, writing is easy and I could do it too if I wanted to, but <laughs> it's really not. <laughs> it requires a lot of work. So yeah, I think that, I, I hope that uh, someday we can all agree that for writing fan fiction is uh, a really perfectly acceptable hobby and it's just as valid for anyone and not just for women or young teenage girls but for whoever wants to do it and enjoys doing it because I think this is how we show our love and I don't know how this could be a bad thing. Yes. Oh, I love that answer. That was absolutely perfect. Thank you so much for bringing up all of those amazing points. You know, one of the reasons why I started coming out the last couple of years about my fan fiction obsession. And one of the reasons why I do this very public podcast show is because I feel like it's so important for people like me who are comfortable talking in public spaces about fan fiction and about the positive aspects of fan fiction and letting people know it's okay that we like this. It's okay that we do this. It's okay that we're out there telling our stories and sharing it yeah. with the world. And it's not icky. It's yes, not disgusting. Yes, yes. It's not, right? Any of that stuff. Like, it matters. What you guys do matters. It matters to me. You know, how many times have I been in a situation in my life where things are not going right? I'm so sad. I, you know, I just need someone to understand what I'm going through. How many times have I gone to AO3 and found a story yeah, that yeah, someone yeah. wrote that perfectly summarized what I'm going through? It made me feel seen. Like, how many times has that happened yeah. to you? How many times has that happened to me? Like, it happens all the time. There's something about fan fiction that's so much more than what the critics say it is. And it deserves to be celebrated. It deserves to be talked about in a positive way. And that's what we're doing yeah. here. At least that's what I hope we're doing. <laughs> yeah, and you, you know, as a writer, I get comments so many times saying that, oh, this really made me smile, or this was such a great read after a long or bad day, or, you know, very similar comments to that. And it's always so great to hear. And it really shows that fan fiction can, it's just, maybe it's just a simple, small thing, but it can really make a difference and make someone's day better. Yes. And really, it's another way of us also, and I've heard other people say this before, but it's a way of us also connecting to each other oh, yeah. in a yeah, way, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? Because the writer writes something, puts it out into the world. The reader comes in and interacts with that work. There's comments exchanged back and forth. There's connection happening, human connection. <laughs> when is that ever a bad thing, right? Yeah. And I, I actually met one of my closest friends through commenting. Well, she commented on my story and then I checked out hers and that was like, Hi, you were six years ago now, so we, we've been friends for a long time, and that's how we met. <laughs> yeah, beautiful things can happen out of fan fiction, so thank you so much for your thoughts on that. What you guys do matters. Now, why do you feel that fan fiction is worth writing and reading? Which I know that we've, you know, been talking about <laughs> for like the last three minutes, but if you could expound a little bit further on that, why do you think it's worth writing and reading? Well, for me personally, it's a way of giving voice to the feelings that these characters bring out in me. I have to do something with them because otherwise they will just drive me up the wall. But with fan fiction, you can just pour all of that into what you're writing. And even if you're not writing, just reading, it's a way to sort of stay connected to the characters. And, you know, even if their story is over or it has ended, you can still go on new adventures with them and you can hit up a new story anytime and 
see them again in different scenarios, different settings, and then watch them grow as people or fall in love again or whatever else. You can just be with them. So I think for me, the appeal is just the same as with any book. You want to get lost in a story, except that this time it's a world and characters that you already know and love. Beautiful. Love it. All right. Last question of the day. Who are the top three fan fiction writers that you follow? It's such a hard question because I truly think that this fandom, the Rogue One fandom, is very talented. And I have so many favorites, old and new, that I almost feel bad picking out just three, you know, because everyone else is just as good. So what I thought I would do is um, I'm going to pick these based on these stories that I'm currently very excited to see updated. Okay. First of all, there's Fulcrum Stardust, who's currently writing a brilliant Access to Lovers story, which is one of my favorite tropes ever. So it's right up my alley, and I'm enjoying every minute of it. But uh, her other works are just as amazing, so I, I definitely recommend them too. Then there's Maxella. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. <laughs> who only has one work in this fandom, but I really, really, really love that one. And there's only one chapter left, actually, so I'm, I'm very curious to see how it will end. And actually, it's another Access to Lover story. <laughs> but this is, <laughs> this is set in canon universe, and the previous one was a modern AU. Yeah, it's a bit different, then, but I really recommend this one as well. And I hope that the author will write more stories you know, after they are finished with this one. And then lastly, I, I want to mention Fire Fuego, who is writing a sequel to a story that was about access to lovers. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> I swear I wasn't doing it on purpose. This is really just the, st- <laughs> the three stories that came to me. Sure. <laughs> sure. <laughs> but yeah, they're, they're, this is a sequel, so they're already back together. And now it's just pure fluff. And, you know, it's so satisfying to see them be happy after all that angst. I really love it. <laughs> yes. Sometimes we just need that happy ending or that after story where things are good. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. I love that. Well, thank you so much. That concludes my questions for today. Winters, and do you have any last words for us? Well, thank you for having me. It was it was really great to talk about fanfiction and my experiences and how they shaped me. I, I really had a lot of fun, so thank you. Oh, thank you so much for joining us today. We loved it. Check out her stories on AO3, folks. Give her some love. If you'd like to reach out to me, I can be reached at fanficmaverick at gmail.com. Thank you all so much for listening. Don't forget to subscribe, and I'll see you next episode. In the meantime, keep on rolling.